15th of March was the last time we met together. It was the Thanksgiving service for Percy and Timothy, if you can cast your mind back. Um, all those many weeks ago, I think this is the 12th, as I said 11th week, I reckon it might be the 12th week that we're doing online. Um, those of you on Zoom or those of you um, catching up uh, on YouTube or watching live on YouTube, um, this is our 12th week. And what have we tried to do in those 12 weeks? We've tried to continue as normal as we possibly can as a church to do the things that we think churches should do. Not should do because we think, oh, we have to, but should do because we desperately want to. We've been changed to do uh, these good things, to meet together, to sing, to read God's word, to pray, to hear God's word taught. We've tried to do that. Um, online together uh, and as Sai said we've worked through um, a couple of series we've uh, looked at the cross over Easter and we've looked at the book of James and we've asked God to help us and to drive through some real application in these different times and the book of James has helped us enormously uh, and I love that about God's word this is what God's word does what I love about what we've done at Town Church is we haven't tried to change a series and stop the series mid-flow and said, right, come on then, let's dive into some key questions in asking God. Let's just work through a series that we were going to, that we planned to work through, and let's see what God has to say to us through his word at this particular time, because we believe that God's word is God-breathed, and it's always relevant. It's like a double-edged sword, says in the Bible. It's like a lamp unto our feet, it's like honey to our lips. It will always do its work. And so we've just let God's word do its work. And I've loved that about town church. But here was an opportunity off the back of James to say, right, OK, let's ask some fitting questions about this time uh, and about God. Uh, and and let's try and piece one or two things together. Twelve weeks in, now's a good time to stop uh, and reflect. We've undoubtedly had questions, haven't we? would be a little bit abnormal if we hadn't have had questions um, for God. We've all had frustrations, struggles with change. We've all had to make adjustments, but we've all had encouragements. We've made memories. Um, we've laughed. We've asked those questions, God, what are you doing? Why is God letting this happen? Why is he putting me through this pain and upheaval? But there's been some real encouragements, as we've heard from you and Liv, some huge encouragements. So look at those two things. Yesterday was going to be our church day away. We were looking forward to that very much. We had a, a, a village hall hired, well, not quite, but nearly um, hired. And we were going to have Matt Searles, teachers in the Psalms, and it was going to be a great day. Uh, next Sunday, we were going to have uh, Family Fun Day. We've had this now. Uh, we make it annually, and we have the five-a-side footy tournament, we get the bouncy castle, and we have a great day, and it's a place where we can invite our friends. We're missing out on those good things. However, as has already been said, that's been a real highlight for us. Flyers through people's doors, getting together in teams and saying, come on, um, let's do this, or just on our own and going around Bista and, and thinking about the people of Bista and praying for the people of Bista even. There have been some real adjustments, some real upheavals, things that we've missed out, but there have been some highlights and some encouragements in that too. 
So we come to the question, okay, where is God in the COVID crisis? We're coping in COVID. Where is God? Here's our first point this evening. There's three points. And we're going to take Psalm 135 as our springboard to help us uh, understanding this question or, or answering this question. Where is God? Here's our first point. Let's make sure that we're absolutely crystal clear on this. And actually, flipping around a little bit, let's make sure that we're absolutely crystal clear of where God is not. So firstly, God is not in the dock. God is not in the courtroom. And we are in no position to judge him. He's not standing there as we cast our accusations at him. He's not. He cannot be. Why? Because God is God. Look, the atheist philosopher Bertrand Russell, he said this. He said, okay. On my, he was asked uh, what he would say to God when he died and met him. And he said this, I'd say to God, sir, why did you take such pains to hide yourself? That's Bertrand Russell's answer to, if there is a God and you meet him when you die, uh, what would you say to him? Sir, why would you take such pains to hide yourself? Another atheist has said it is the duty of God to be truthful towards mankind and clear of his communications. Because he's not. You see, that's the starting place of many people. Perhaps it's your starting place tonight. Perhaps. If you're not a Christian, that might be your starting place. I'm putting God in the dock. I want to question him. He's on the stand. And I've got questions for him. Where is he in COVID? If you're a Christian, that's not our starting place. God is not in the dark. Where is God? Well, the Bible tells us that he's revealed himself in creation so that man is without excuse. He's revealed himself through his word, through the prophets, through the apostles, through his word put together uh, over centuries. And he's revealed himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. God is not on the stand. He's not in the dark. He has revealed himself. And so we're in the stand. We're taking the stand. We're in the dark as God questions us. Who do you say I am? Who do you make of me? Who do you say I am? We believe that God has clearly shown himself. He has revealed himself. The problem is not with our communication, but it's with our blindness. He has clearly communicated himself and he continues to do so. See, our natural starting point is that we want to put him on the stand, not ourselves. And so we consider these words in Psalm 135. Look, Psalm 135 verses 5 to 7 if you're a Christian, you get this. I know that the Lord is great, that our Lord is greater than all gods. The Lord does whatever pleases him in the heavens and on earth, in the seas and all their depths. He makes clouds rise from the ends of the earth. He sends lightning with the rain 
and brings out the wind from his storehouses. There's God. He does whatever pleases him. That's what God does. He's there and he does whatever pleases him. He's great. He's greater than all. He's not like the evil Baron Greenback in Danger Mouse, who has the power to rule with force, but you never see him. He cannot go against his character, his goodness, his love, his justice. He cannot go against that. We're going to sing a song at the end of this. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness to God, to yourself, to your character. You can't break bonds with who you are can't go against his character and look in goodness love and justice he does whatever pleases him he makes the clouds rise from the ends of the earth the lightning the rain the wind he's in charge he's above all things he's in charge so what what does that mean for you and I tonight? Well, for some of us, that will mean that we've just got to go a little easier on the way that we come to God and question him. Stop questioning his intent, however hard that is. Now, I know we've not gone on to COVID, where he's going COVID, but we wanted to start here. I wanted to start here to remind myself that God is God. He does whatever pleases him. He is good, he is loving, he is kind, he is just. I know that because his word says so. So I want to start, not by asking where he is. I want to start by understanding where he is not. He is not in the dock. And it could be for you if you do not believe this God of the Bible. Ask him to change your view of him. Ask him to change you in the way that you view him, the way that you understand him. Ask him to do that. If you are a Christian and you've really struggled over the last 12 months, ask him to change your view of him, to help you understand him at this time. He is good, he is kind, he is just, and he's in charge. He's the God of the heavens, and he does whatever pleases him. That's our God. He's not in the dark. He's God above all things. Okay, second, God is ruling graciously and compassionately. He is. He just is. In Ephesians 1 uh, verse 11, Paul says this, he works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. God works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. God is all-knowing. God is wise and all-loving. Saying that he is all-willing or all-governing is really important. He works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, says Paul. He wills it and it happens. 
Here's our God. He's in charge over all things. We know that he does whatever pleases him. But also he works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Therefore, God, by implication, is sovereign over COVID-19. He has to be. And so it's for us, and John Piper is brilliant in this, and I'll refer to his little resource later on, but John Piper has helped me over the last 12 months, and indeed over the last 20 years, to understand the suffering world and the God of the universe who's in complete control and sovereign over all things. John Piper, amongst many, have helped me, enormously helped me. He says, now the secret of experiencing the sweetness of God in the bitterness of the times is really important. Because if God holds absolute sway over this world, how can I weigh up this character of God that we've talked about? He's good, he's just, he's kind, he's loving. And yet you're saying that he works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. He works out COVID-19 in conformity with the purpose of his will. How and why? Well, back into Psalm 135 and see what verses 8 to 10 have to say. And it helps us just to frame this well. He, that is God, he struck down the firstborn of Egypt, the firstborn of people and animals. He sent his signs and wonders into your midst, Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his servants. He struck down many nations and killed mighty kings. Verses five to seven, we saw that God was great. Praise God, because he's above all things. He does whatever pleases him. And then look what he's been doing in verses 8 to 10. He, God, struck down the firstborn of Egypt, the firstborn of people and animals. He sent his signs and wonders. He struck down many nations and killed mighty kings. How does that weigh up in understanding God and his goodness and his kindness, and yet God who's sovereign and God who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. How does that add up? I've got to say, if I'm following this through biblically, I have to say that therefore COVID-19 was ordained by God. He governs it. Sent it. He will end it. There's no part of it that is outside of his sovereign rule. Life and death are in his hands, Psalm 135 tells me. He works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. It's why recently in James we looked at this. We looked closely at bringing all of our plans, all of our dreams, all of our hopes, all of our aspirations to God and submitting to his sovereign will. Do you remember that in James 4, verse 15, 14, 15? It says this, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or, or that. You see, he works out Everything, everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. 
everything, not some things, not the things I like, not the things that I want him to work in. He works out everything with a purpose, in conformity with the purpose of his will. It's a big question. How can a good God, how can a good God will such horror? How can a good God bring such destruction? How can you say COVID-19 was sent by God? And Augustine was perhaps very helpful here. 1,500 years ago, here's what Augustine says. Listen, we know God created all things. And we know that God created all things good. Evil is not a created thing. It is the absence of good. Therefore, God did not create evil, but he permits it. He wills it. He uses it for the good. Do you see that? Let me say that again. We know God created all things, created all things good. Evil is not a created thing. It is the absence of good. Therefore, God did not create evil, but permits it. He wills it. He uses it for the good. Key verse in Genesis uh, chapter 50, verse 20, is the story of Joseph. If you remember uh, Joseph, he was thrown into the pit and his brothers lied and they beat him up, threw him down and sold him. Um, rather than leaving him to die, they sold him for money, for greed. And look later on, when Joseph then becomes um, the prime minister of Egypt, um, we see then in these words what Joseph says as his brothers come um, and, 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 and want food from him. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Look at that. The same sovereign God who could have stopped the atrocity happening to Joseph, yet did not, is the same sovereign God who intended it for good so that much more could be accomplished. And you see there, he didn't just use it for good. God didn't just turn it for good, but God meant it for good. He willed it to happen for good. I'm conscious now that that's hard for us to stomach. I'm conscious now that perhaps in your tummy, in your gut of your tummy, there's a, uh, a gut-wrenching, oh, whoa, 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 hold on. That's why I started where I did of saying God is not in the dock. He's not on the stand. We're not questioning him. We're trying to understand him. My fear is that I come with my already set ideas of God cannot do that. Why would God do that? That's why we started with point one. God is not in the dock. And why we can say point two, God graciously and compassionately rules we might have several questions about this. Don't bypass these questions. Don't just kind of put these questions down and then move on. No, no, stop, note them down, and come to the Bible with these questions of God willing all things. What, what did Paul say? He works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. 
Come with your questions to the Bible, to God's word. See what God has to say, that he would challenge us. And if we're uncertain about this, let me just throw in (laughs) the death of the Lord Jesus. Think about the death of the Lord Jesus. Think about the sin, the atrocity, the sin committed. Think about the hatred. Think about the racism. Think about the injustice. Think about the horror. Could God have stopped the death of Jesus? Yes. Did God stop the death of Jesus? No. Did God will the death of Jesus? Yes. For the greater good. For my greater good. For your greater good. For our greater good. This is good news. A God who is holy, righteous and good sits on the throne. And he means evil to bring about good. He wills evil to bring about good. Evil is not from him. It is the absence of good, yet he wills it. He means evil to bring about good. Nothing surprises God. Nothing confuses God. Nothing stops his sovereign plan. Nothing. What is God doing, COVID-19? We can be sure he is meaning it for good. And you might say, how? I think John Piper in these resources points this out brilliantly. And let me just flag these up now. Um, There's a book or even um, uh, Chris Wimbledon and I read the Bible together online. And so we're doing this as our next little series. I think it's nine uh, in the Bible app. So check it out. Might be a good follow on um, from this talk. But look at that uh, and uh, and see what you think John Piper is saying. If he's right with what the Bible um, is saying much of what I've talked about tonight, John Piper's helped me as I've said uh, before. So do check it out. Let's come back to the question. So what is he doing? What good um, can we see from what God is doing now? Well, here's three things, and John Piper goes into six. But I think these three are good for us tonight. What is God doing? Well, you can be sure that He is meaning it for good. He is willing it for good. That's our God. He's given us a picture of our belittling sin of God. Piper says that there's physical evil, this COVID-19 and things that we're seeing. It's a drama. It's a signpost to the moral rebellion against God. That evil came into the world through Adam and Eve's sin uh, from Genesis chapter 3. And now we're seeing a drama outplayed. It's a reminder of our sin that's caused the world that we live in to be the world it is with all the horror and atrocity. Second, God will use it as specific judgment because of specific sinful attitudes and actions. He will and he has, but it's not for me and it's not for you uh, to tell how and why people are being judged by it. It's not, it's God. But God has said that the wages of sin is death and therefore we're seeing death. It, it, it is God's way of, of judgment. But we can't point the finger. We can't be specific. That's not our job. And then thirdly, it's a wake-up call to be ready for when Christ returns. He will put all wrong things to right finally. 
with a new heaven and a new earth. He will do that. Well, there's our two points. Finally, let's go number three. And you'll recognise uh, some of these uh, words in, in point three, that God is always working for the good of his people. He is always working uh, for the good of his people. Verse 14 of Psalm 135, for the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. Here's a chance for Christians to realign themselves with the infinite worth of Christ. That's what COVID-19 gives us an opportunity to do, to realign ourselves with the infinite worth of Christ, says Piper, to understand him, to then appreciate how good God is, how great salvation is. And Romans 8, verses 28 to 29, you'll know these verses. There was a recent blog uh, that was written on this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So as we've asked in James, what's happening? And COVID-19 has perhaps raised some of our key questions. What are your plans for me, God? God, I'm, I'm more lonely than ever. Why don't you provide a partner for me? God, now in this situation, there's more uncertainty around my job than ever. God, what are you doing? My finances are struggling. How can I trust you with them, God? The little ones are driving me crazy. How can I carry on, God? If we've not shouted at God in a moment, then perhaps you're a lot more holier than me because I know I have. And Paul speaks right into the crisis moment. And he says, do you know? Do you know what God is doing? In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And what's the good of those who love him? That is so very often different from my good. There's so often a distinction between what I think is good and what God says is good for me. Do you see, I differ in my thinking from God because my definition of good is different from his definition of good. My definition of good is often my outlook on the future. It's often my outlook on relationships and my job, my money or my family, if they're going to be okay. But if God is always working for my good, not making sure those things are all okay. My God is making me more like Jesus in the moment and in the future to be conformed to the likeness of his son. Verse 29. If you're in the family service this morning, the family gathering, it was brilliant as we tried to think on these lines. To be conformed to the likeness of his son. That's what he's doing. So that means that God is working in every moment to make me more like Jesus. That's what he's doing in my heart by his spirit. He's trying to help me be kind and patient and dependent on him as a father. See, the outcome of my particular doubt or worry or concern is not the good that God is talking about. See, the outcome that I'm concerned about, I think God should work for my outcome, and I want to define what that outcome is, what the good is. But God's saying, no, no, in those moments, I want to teach you patience, Lance. 
so that you become more like Jesus. And in those moments, I want to teach you to be more dependent on me so that you can be more like Jesus, who was utterly dependent on me. For that is my good this side of heaven.